no, 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 I regret, I regret what I just did, just so you know. <laughs> Worlds. You know what you don't see either in the abyss or you know, hell? Janitors. They have no fucking janitors there. <gasps> oh god, oh god. <laughs> it's the wacky waving, waving in front of the wall. <laughs> gonna have it okay one more time no it's gonna go three two one and then we do it we all clap yep (laughs) (laughs) i knew it was gonna happen i didn't think it was gonna be that far off uh three two one It's good. It's good enough. We have a clap. <laughs> we have two claps. So what's great is we can leave the first one in and actually go off of that, and then everyone can listen to us fumblefuck through a second clap and timing to try to do this remotely. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Outside the Stat Block. Returning the champion, the king, your father, Ben. Jesse. Oh shit! Wait, what? Wh- what? Who? No. It's Ben. Yeah, it's no. It's yeah. it's me. It's Ben. Yeah, ben. holy shit, Ben's back. Hey guys, I'm back. <laughs> I've, I've, missed, I, I've missed those salty, smooth tunes of your voice. Oh, well. Those vocal oh. cords vibrating the way they do. I don't think I've ever heard anyone describe vocals as salty before. That, that sounds yeah, like no, it would be rather raspy, mean, right? It, it's a little raspy, you but I enjoy it. Smoke 20 I mean. packs a day? <laughs> no. Nah. Nah, it's that it's because you eat dip. I, well, I don't necessarily eat it. I mean, I just <laughs> put it in my my lip. I have one in now. That's great. Oh, I have missed doing this. I miss you guys. Miss you too. Yeah, we've what? missed you too, man. Yeah, how the fuck is everything? Everything is going fairly well. No uh, major issues, no major complaints. Everything seems to be moving in the right direction. Uh, For those of you that are joining us today, uh, I have relocated. That's why the last few episodes I have not been here to record. Uh, I have moved from Maine to North Carolina, which was quite a trek. It was like a 14-hour drive, but it went smoothly. No issues with the car or anything like that. Got down here and all settled and, you know, spending some time with some family that I haven't seen in a while. And, you know, everything seems to be going fairly well. And just in case any of our listeners are confused and think that it's me again, this isn't me. I know that it's like a perfect uh, um, impersonation of Ben, but uh, this isn't me pretending to be Ben this time. It's it's Ben. Wait, you uh, <laughs> you pretended to be me? Oh yeah, no. Tell oh. uh, tell our listeners you don't listen to our episode. <laughs> no, I thought you were not on. I listened to it. I thought you were gonna play on it. I thought you were gonna make it a running joke. Oh yeah, no, I pretended to be you. Da 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 da. No, that episode that you weren't on that you didn't listen to. Yeah, no, it was, was it was great, and I thought that um, you guys had Stephen and Zach on. Stephen being the uh, mm-hmm. new change of pace DM for you guys. Uh, I've been talking to him about his game. I'm super pumped for what he's got for you guys, so uh, get get, so we, get fucking ready. Yeah, it's gonna be a hell of a time. I am excited. Yeah, it's yeah, it's we're all we're all gonna die very quickly. Uh, well, I, I helped him out with that because he did ask. <laughs> so. 
I heard uh, I heard you guys ran a one shot with Steven and he was telling me that he almost killed all three of you with eight goblins. Uh, uh, I mean, not really. Like, my dude was never in any trouble. Uh, I, was, I don't believe that. Zach's Zach's dude. Now yeah. that dude almost Zach died. almost died. <laughs> I don't even think Chris got hit. Actually, oh, I did not. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, we shall see. He's got uh, something pretty good lined up. It's pretty detailed. I think uh, I think he'll do a great job. So, if Stephen, if you're listening, thank you for the fill-in. You did great. Yeah, no, thank you for all the fill-ins. Yeah. Um, Stephen, Zach, and Kate. Like it's it was yeah. a lot of fun recording with them, um, and and just kind of I, I don't know. It was fun kind of mixing things up, and I thought they added a, a good aspect. Uh, or a, a good um, outlook that we don't have, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Anytime Different can... perspective is great. Right, right, exactly. And uh, I'm sure it was fun to listen to. So, listen, I am really excited to be doing this again. Uh, the setup that I got here seems to be going great. So, um, I think I'm so excited that um, I kind of want to make this. Maybe like a re, maybe not re envisioning, but kind of reinstatement of our podcast. I know we haven't been active on social media very much. Uh, we've still been pumping out episodes. This will be episode 22, which is insane. I don't think I ever thought we'd make it this far, which is great. Um, but no, we've almost been doing this for six months, you guys. <laughs> Jesus, man. Yeah, we have. It's been a while. It's, it's been a while. But I mean, it's been a fun track. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like we did what, what I don't know if we've touched on this, but you know, we did a few uh, recordings prior to actually like getting the feel and being like, okay, this is episode one. So, I mean, as far as recording section, sessions go, we've been doing it for uh, about six months now, probably a little more. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I think I think with me getting set back up, us still being able to or continue to make um, this podcast, I think we should make this uh, kind of like a, a new release. I guess we should advertise that way. And what better way than to give out a copy of the uh, one of the latest books released from Wizards of the Coast, and that is Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Oh, shit. No doubt. Yeah, I love that book, and it's a great gift. Yeah, it is. Yeah, there's it's, so uh, much in it. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, it's, it's just... Um, it's a legendary book. Like, if there's, you know, if you're a player or a DM, like, if you have books and you're like, ah, I just, I wish there was something more, like, Tasha's is absolutely the one. It yeah. doesn't matter if you're a player or if you're a DM. Like, I personally think, like, when everybody, you know, starts playing D&D, they get recommended, oh, you gotta buy, like, at least the player's handbook. I, I tell people, like, no, you gotta buy the player's handbook and now buy Tasha's. Like, yeah, it, exactly. Those you, two. Like, don't, you, like, ex- exactly perfect. It's almost like... that's exactly what I was gonna say, because, I mean, the, with Tasha's, they have, uh, they have the new updated version for the... Um, Ranger, which we have to revisit, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we got a question about that. We'll talk about it later. Oh, sweet! Oh, no shit, sweet. Yeah, it's uh, it's oh. almost like if you don't have Tasha's, it almost feels like you didn't buy the DLC for the video game, right? So you don't yeah. get to play the extra content. It just the player's handbook is great. It's got a lot of good stuff, a lot of good flavor for classes and races and things like that. But Tasha's just gives you so much more to work with and gives you. I mean, you can kind of personalize your character now. 
feels like every and, character's and, different. Yeah. And it's not only just, like, the DLC, right? Because, I, well, it is, I guess, technically, that is how we would look at it. However, um, when combined with the PHB, it's really just... It's like uh, the new version, right? When you, up, when you update your iPhone, you get a new version of your iPhone. Everything kind of basically works exactly the same like all the same except for uh updates to a few different programs and that's what tasha does it upgrades all the classes giving them little kind of hey here's an alternative way that you can play this which kind of makes the game uh, a little different and in my opinion a lot more fun giving each player uh, each class a little more versatility, which is always a, uh, a lot of fun in D&D. For sure. So what I think uh, what I think we should do is, um, if you haven't visited our website yet, it is outsidethestatblock.com. On there, we'll be posting how to enter for a chance to be one of the winners or the winner of because there's only one. I'm only giving out <laughs> one, people. We're this not is still, money. A, still a free podcast. <laughs> <laughs> As if people would ever pay for this. That's true. That's true. Uh, but on our website, outside the stepblock.com, I'll have uh, information on how to enter for a chance to win Tasha's. Uh, I feel renewed. I feel good. I am ready to talk about D&D, which I haven't done in so long, besides the little tidbits that I get to you know, hit with you guys. Um, so what I've noticed that with this move, one of the issues, if you have ever moved before and you have been playing D&D for as long as I have, is finding a new group to play with. You don't, I, I have, I don't really know anyone down here besides my family, so I have to meet all these people that are new and I have to figure out their play styles. I just have to find people that want to play. And oh, yeah. That is always tough. So... Uh, have you guys ever had to like relocate and find another group, Jesse? I know you're still relatively young in the years of D and D, but how was your experience uh, in finding a new group? Uh, well, I mean, I've uh, I had to uh, find a new group a couple different times just because, like, it's. I mean, we all play D and D. We know how it goes, and it's really hard to find as you get older, a group of adults that can set a, set aside that time consistently and continuously meet up and play, you know? Um, and while also having, like, you know, a fun group and, you know, a, a seasoned DM or just a DM that we can all have fun with while having fun with the characters at the table, you know? And it's, like, I've, I've played with a few different groups that have been fun but honestly like it's our sunday group like that's my D D home you know what i mean like yes. that's 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 my group all the other ones yeah. were just getting me ready so that i could be uh experienced uh, good enough to play with you guys <laughs> <laughs> you'll get there no, one because day. i, <laughs> dude, I, was, I <laughs> no honestly you guys i was terrible when i first started i know i've talked about it before but i mean i i'm just a gamer so i came in trying to fucking win D D, going all right now what's the biggest baddest character i can get hey everybody look at me i'm gonna do the biggest baddest thing it's me me and whoops <laughs> yeah yeah chris how has finding groups been going for you i know not uh, as like lately but in your experience so i have been i'll say fortunate enough in the sense that like so the group i started playing with i played with them for a while and then there were a lot of uh 
differences in opinions about certain things and we were all relatively new and it kind of didn't work and so that group kind of fell apart and then I spent my time like I gotta I gotta find a new group I gotta find a new group I thought for about maybe a millisecond about joining Adventure League and then I decided I'd rather cut both my hands off um, <laughs> Uh, and then I was fortunate enough to, you know, start work uh, up in Maine, and then I kind of met Jesse, and I just kind of fell face first into uh, <laughs> into that group. And yep. as a sweet as a byproduct of that, I ended up, uh, you know, reconnecting with the old group of people I used to play with, and there there had been kind of, you know, that time for all of us to get better separately so that we could come back. And it could be like, ah, yes, everything everything clicks now, everything meshes. So I kind of left my original group, came to you guys, managed to keep the, the group I've got in Maine, and then went back to my old group and found out that, like, okay, we're all, like, better at this now, and it's going to be a lot more of a cohesive experience. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice, dude. Nice. Hell yeah. Uh, I'm hoping that I kind of fall headfirst into a group kind of similar like that. I, I always feel that whenever you're trying to find a new group, it always just kind of starts off with two people going hey you want to like you want to play D&D I think that's all it kind of comes down to oh and yeah. with COVID it's made it so difficult especially since I'm not big on the virtual the virtual aspect of it actually but the, with the, by the way the sound the words by the way this podcast is sounding <laughs> however recording you know not in a not all together anymore. I might actually go for a virtual game. I don't know. But COVID has made so many restrictions that, you know, getting together for D&D is extremely hard. So I have uh, I have visited a few uh, games, uh, local game stores down here. They're, um, none of them are going to be open for in-store, which makes sense. Yeah. It's fair. Right. And But they have, you know, Facebook pages with people that are looking for groups that I'm going to be checking out. Um and I've also found um, someone here in the area that's playing virtually. So we'll see how that goes. Maybe I'll see if I can't reconnect with a couple of people back in Maine and a couple of you guys to see if we can get a virtual game going. We'll see what's going to happen. But I've missed D&D dearly. So. And, I mean, you being, uh, like, the DM that you are, all like, I, 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 I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but... Um, searching for a group of players that are willing to give you a shot as a dm i feel like is probably a little easier than finding a dm that will you know um, oh yeah they don't have a choice i'm gonna be the dm yeah (laughs) and that's what i'm saying is is like and then all you got to do is the first game they're like holy shit like we hit the jackpot here you know what i mean and like when you're looking for a game like that was the hardest thing for me as a player before I ever DM'd or anything like it was looking for a a, a game to play in like it was really hard I went uh, I think a year and a half in between my last game or so like my greenhorn games to when I like met Chris and he was walking me through playing a paladin for the first time and <laughs> like it was like a year and a half in between but I mean I always was in D&D culture you know what I mean reading the books and you know listening to the podcasts and stuff and enjoying the the role playing games like even though I couldn't have been a part of it save, yeah. save your spell slots for smites that's all you need yep. to know as a paladin That's- spell <laughs> slots are just smitey slots yep yep <laughs> oh smitey well smitertons 
I'm glad we were able to uh, reconnect, but I'm ready for some tabletop talk. I have a couple ideas floating around for a new game. Since we're talking about, you know, having to set up and, you know, maybe find some more in-person groups locally, which has gotten me to get the, uh, the creative mind sparked again. So I actually have a couple ideas for a new game that I wanted to run by. Uh, maybe you guys can help me flush Ooh. them out a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, let's try it. All right. So the first one is just a general concept. So you guys can add whatever you want. This is what I'm thinking. It's going to be set in the Forgotten Realms. So it's an already pre-made campaign setting. And if you're not familiar with the Forgotten Realms, it has anything fantasy in it that you would want. Uh, it has these dark caverns under under the surface full of all these weird creatures. It has all this magic. It has all the environments you can think of. Jungles, forests. Valleys, hentai. deserts, hentai. What? What? <laughs> no. It, it, I okay, it. I haven't went right along. I with haven't it. read the. No, I'm gonna be Jesse. To be fair to you, I haven't read all of the Forgotten Realms lore. There's a lot of it, so I'm not going to say that it isn't there. But it's not in my campaign setting. <laughs> Uh, what's that? What's that? The Book of Erotic Fantasy? Oh my is that, god, yes. Yeah. There is. Jesse, have you heard of this book? <laughs> no. Oh my god. Chris, thank you for bringing this to the table. Or so I, there has like, been. Am I supposed to be yes ending right now? No, no. No, this, is a, this is a real book. Oh, okay. So, and, and now we're going to talk about it on our podcast? All right, let's do that. Yeah, well, we're going to. We'll, 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 we'll mention it. Now, I'm, I'm so. Down. Just like just like we mentioned with uh, Tasha's being a <laughs> just like we mentioned with Tasha's being a supplemental book to the player's handbook or to all of fifth ed, right? So did the same with fourth edition and third edition, right? It's always been a theme that was the coast ahead, and they came out with a lot of cool books. They came out with the book of vile darkness, which is everything evil. They came out with the book of exalted deeds, which is everything good. They also came out with the book of erotic fantasies. The title of the book. We'll tell you what is in the book. Yep. It's uh, it's a time. Just think. Think of Tasha's as races and classes and spells, right? Same thing. It has erotic fantasy spells. That's fucking weird. No, I expected a bigger reaction. Anyway. Was it was yeah. it was it called was it called Katana Sutra? Uh, I think yes, they did have is that. That, that was that was a fourth level druid spell. <laughs> you got, have you guys ever heard of Kama Sutra? Like that, that's where I was. Did yes. You guys get it? Yes. You guys, you guys got it. it was, uh, is that anything? Yeah, speaking of new positions, <laughs> um, these yeah, campaigns. One, far away from this one. <laughs> <laughs> so these campaigns that I'm thinking of. Thanks for the little uh, sidetrack with the Book of Erotic Fantasies. Check it out. Uh, but yeah. the one of the new ideas yeah, that I'm thinking. Uh, put in the put in uh, OTS block uh, for the um, for a discount on it. Not yet. Not this, this book's like this book's like 25 years old. Yes. <laughs> I don't fucking. I've never heard of it. <laughs> Google it. I thought they were a sponsor. <laughs> Uh, so with these two um, new ideas that I have, here's the first one. It's set in Forgotten Realms, has all of this cool shit in it. However, I want to make it very desolate. So in this setting, there has been an extinction-level event 
So everything, with the exception of very small pockets of races, have been eliminated. The gods have abandoned Forgotten Realms, and magic kind of runs a little wild, kind of all over the place, because Mistress, the goddess of magic, isn't there to help control the weave, right? So the weave is is a mess. The magic is a mess everywhere, but it's still usable. You can still play all the normal races and classes are in it, but some sort of extinction-level event had happened and it is just desolate so you have to travel miles and miles and miles just to find maybe you know a small village of 20 to 30 people so that is the general overall setting um, I haven't picked a location on where I want this to happen but that is the predicament of this campaign now on another level what would kind of be every story has like a beginning a middle and an end the beginning would be this extinction level event the gods are gone but magic run, runs amok is that this place isn't necessarily real because this place is a pocket dimension it's this whole separate world of forgotten realms forgotten realms is normally fine it's it's totally fine in the in where it's at but they're kind of maybe entrapped in this vial, and this vial has a pocket dimension with inside of it that's this world, and that's where they're at. And eventually, the end of the campaign would probably be them figuring out, you know, how to escape this and go back to the normal plane. But that's like the kind of mold that I have so far. What do you guys think of that? Ooh, I really like that. Yeah, no, it sounds it's it sounds big. <laughs> I would th- like it sounds like a lot, you know what I mean? Well, like, uh, the way I was thinking is I don't have to include a lot of stuff. I don't have to think yeah. about a lot of stuff, right? Because everything's like gone. Dead. Everything's, everyone's dead. <laughs> right. And no yeah. one knows I mean, why. You could even, I, okay, yeah, I was going to say, you could even write the lore of the land, like the history of it is like no one's old enough to remember why it even happened or how it happened. Just that it happened. Right, so everyone just one day just woke up all at once, and they have no memory from, like, day one, and they just got to move on. Now, if that's the case, I'm wondering if the players should be from normally Forgotten Realms, and they got entrapped in this place, and they don't know what's going on. What do you think? I'm thinking so. So, like, I don't know what you have planned for, like, the the full arc or, like, what the, the intent behind this is, but this strikes me as, like, the various experiments of some insane over really powerful wizard who just wanted to test things like he you know invents this crazy like world destroying spell and he's like oh but i need to make sure it works so he makes like a literal pocket universe fills it full of people and then like tests it out oh man that is gross i love that (laughs) what what's how would you how would you lure this place though like why did the gods leave that's what I've been trying to figure out is how, what's a good, you know, what would the normal people in this place think uh, a good reason for these gods to have left be? Or, like, what they think happened? Ooh, that's, see, that's that's where it gets tough because there's so, there's so many and it's so hard to, like, boil yeah. it down. So here's the thing. In the lore of D&D, like in the Forgotten Realms, right, there's different levels of gods. You know, it's a superiority level, right, where there's, uh, I can't remember. It's a power level. Right, right. So there's, there's the really, really powerful gods that will never, ever communicate with a human. Because why? Because no, because they're nothing. They're minuscule. They're a speck of dust in this greater thing that they 
call their own kind of existence that we can't even fathom, right? So these gods have control. So I don't see why the people of the realm would ever know. They would only have, like, guesses why these gods left. They, I don't think they would ever know. I don't think they would ever be told. And the ones that have like like Morden or something or, you know, Tyr or someone, someone, one of the high, like, not one of the big guys, but one of like the known um, gods that are, you know, paladins and dwarves or, and maybe they, before they left, being good, the good gods that they are, was like, listen, my son, like, I have given you everything that you need to know and it is my time to go now you know i love you and always will and bounce you know what i mean yeah and then they just mm. don't know they don't know why because i i don't know realistically i'm thinking about it like why the fuck if a god's gonna dip why would he ever say anything to any like any of the little cre- creations that they don't like think are anything so with that that's a real i agree now now that we talk about it more the whole aspect of what these people will believe is definitely going to be a lot of work so let's let's start off a little bit smaller so what i'm envisioning is i i picture like the first session being something similar to they there is this sandstorm in the desert that the party is marching through the party already knows each other but if they try to think about how they know each other, they just can't remember. Like, they can't remember a date that they all met or something like that or a place. They just know that they know each other and they're, they're very familiar. And then give them these false memories, not very detailed, being like, okay, you've been traveling through this desert and you've stopped and helped a few people here. And you've stopped and moved to the city outside in a swamp and you've helped some people there. Very small groups of people and you know the state of the world is in this kind of decaying cataclysmic event and you have been working your way through it and now you're here at level i think probably three is where i would start it off and they come out of this sandstorm and then they have to meet the first group of people that they actually get to interact with i like that yeah no that's good I and mean, it, it's a really good like setup because it's it's super ambiguous and it's like that thing you uh that we talked about in the whole building a you know building an actual arc it it always leaves them with that question and that question for i think the entirety of your campaign is just going to be what the fuck yes <laughs> what happened <laughs> jesus what happened <laughs> so that is that's that's kind of the first uh, idea that, I, that i'm running with let me know if you guys have any input on that uh, yeah what do you got Jesse? so Okay, so it, it's almost like they're in the midst to start off. What if they were in the midst of having their memory wiped, right? So, like, when it comes to fruition, like, and they realize it, like, there wasn't actually a sandstorm. That was kind of in their head together as they were walking through. And then you have them, like, get to this town and they start meeting people. And then when they're like, hey, I'm going to go back to the, I'm going to go back to the, uh, uh, I don't know, the library Uh, oh what do you mean there is no library in this town and you just act like you've never even mentioned a library you know so that they i don't know no i I definitely giving them a bit much but it's like then then they can kind of see that their memories are going like they were in the process of leaving and then when they get out of the town like if you really want them in a desert then do that but i mean if 
like if not then i mean or you can even make it like oh like on the top of a mountain and they find this village and it's like a crazy snowstorm and then when like the memory is finally fully wiped and the story starts going they realize that they're in a desert and they're like what the fuck just happened i think that i think that desert that sandstorm transition of having that be the reason why they don't have their memories is great because i can call back on that later to be to have them either go through a trap that's another sandstorm very late in the campaign and one of the players loses their memory for you know so many rounds or something along that and they catch on catch on that that's what happened that can also be the way that they get out of this plane is they have to walk back through Maybe that sandstorm is, you know, sucked them in. I really like the idea of this demi-plane being in some small, like, glass vial in the middle of the desert, hidden in the sands where no one can find it. And this sandstorm kind of sucks them up, almost like an Alice in Wonderland shit, you know, with the red shoes oh, and yeah. the tambourines and the flying monkey things. Right? Uh, can, can I say something? Wait, wh- wh- uh, <laughs> what? Wrong, wrong movie? Which one was I? What do you mean? Alice in Wonderland had the the flying uh, monkeys and the red shoes and the tornado, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. No. Yeah. You're totally right. It, w- it wasn't. <laughs> it's not. I think you're thinking of, you know, Harry Potter and the Wizard of Oz, right? Yeah. Oh, foxes and owls and scarecrows. Oh my! You're absolutely right. Say, right. You're absolutely right. Right. Yeah. Johnny Depp and his chocolate factory were in. Um, the Wizard of Oz. Right. That's what you're thinking of. Oh, and Michael, yeah, and Michael Jackson was the uh, scarecrow. Yeah, and lions and tigers and owl bears. Oh my! And then they go to the Emerald City to meet the great wizard Asarak, and he just casts fucking blight at ninth level and kills everyone. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of movies all awesome, at once. Yeah, that was an awesome movie. Any, anybody that hasn't seen Wizard of Oz, go check it out. It's great. <laughs> anybody that hasn't seen an 80-year-old movie, go check it out. <laughs> so I think I started off um, correct with Alice in Wonderland and the tornado, right? So, so get this. What if, so they start off in that storm, right? And then blah, 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 story happens, uh, everything. And then when they leave the place, they walk through that sandstorm. And then when they get through the sandstorm, they realize that they weren't living what just happened like they were gaining their memories back of what happened by walking through that sandstorm so that actually just kicked off something i love when you guys throw these questions out because then it just kind of gets my brain moving in all juicy directions so if you remember <laughs> what, what's the matter no, if, no, it was it was a great it was a great way to describe your brain, I guess. Yeah, there's a lot of there's <laughs> fluids in there. All right, yeah. so if you guys remember in the Sunday game that we had just finished uh, a little over a month ago, uh, there was a desert that you guys had to go through. And in this yep. desert, there were two warring, essentially trapped genies. Right, so the lore of this desert is a fire genie and an earth genie had this massive clash, this massive war, and no one in the land could stop it. So the land was able, the people of the land were able to imprison them in the desert, but they were so strong that they had to imprison them in the desert. But they're so magically powerful that the, their strengths could be felt outside in the desert still. So these massive fiery sandstorms would, you know, uh, come about. It'd be a very dangerous dangerous place to travel that was in our last game session if those two genies were you know 
know, kind of still warring, and they walked through the desert, and they got imprisoned in this random pocket dimension where there's ex- this extinction-level event. Maybe when they gain their memories back, it's all about, you know, the creation of this object, you know, because of these warring genies. Yeah, yeah. That that makes sense. Two very powerful magical beings brawling would definitely create some shit. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think when they come, do you think they age in this place? How long can I keep them there and just age them? And then when they get out, it's as if they had just left. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Time, time, like, passes in a sense that, like, they're, they, you know, will age and suffer the effects of aging. But once they leave, it all disperses. I don't even know if it disperses, right? They just come out, like, ten years older and nothing has gone by? Or should ten years go by, do you think? I feel like... Time in the time in the vial should work in its own isolated way. So like when you so you go in and while you're there, is time passing normally um, out so in other words, if you spend ten years in the vial, right, and you get ten years older, when you come out, is does your body still age that ten years or did everything happen like was the magic of it all in your head? But you guys literally spent, like, ten years in your mind, like, as far as your mind is. So, like, the growth that you would have throughout the ten years is, like, with your mind is the growth that you would have. Oh, man. Man, I just, I keep getting more and more ideas every time you guys talk. I like the fact that... (laughs) No, so, uh, to, to feed off of that, let's say that... They, feed, they they age the 10 years in the bottle, and when they get out of the bottle, then they're back to their normal age. But I like the fact that if they're in their own mind, like you said, I can put things in their mind that wouldn't be there, right? Because they're in their own head, right? Yeah. So it's, being in your own head is going to cause some sort of, you know, psychological issues. It could even be that... You know, maybe there's a duplicate of them outside the bottle trying to talk to them in the bottle to get them out. Yeah. Ooh. Yep. Yeah. And I talk to them as themselves. So Joe Schmo, the ranger over there, you know, talks to himself normally. And then every now and then I talk to him through his own character outside of the bottle. Yeah. How about, how about this, right? So um, when they go in, they become like the reason why their memory is wiped and they're new is because they weren't them they're a replication of them and the original them is trying to kill themselves because that's how you get back so then whoever ends up winning in that fight <laughs> is the person that embodies the per- the, the original body as, cru- back as cruel normal as cruel as that would be that would just, just oh yeah you don't have a character anymore but you completed the plot good luck, good luck. now I guess that's yeah. normally how it goes but yeah. yeah right so what I'm thinking is like because I like the idea that the adventure doesn't end when they get out of the vial and I yeah. I kind of like uh, torturing 
people. And since we've kind of established the idea that a lot of what happens is inside their own head, it presents you as a DM a lot of opportunities to use certain like curses and dangerous effects that don't get seen too much, like eight, like artificially aging someone through magic or causing like limb loss or disability. Because when they eventually completed and come out of the vial, they have to deal with the mental ramifications of having spent however long they spent in the vial with this increased age with this you know uh, various you know deformity or injury and then they come out and they're completely fine so they have to deal with that they have to role play dealing with that oh wait so so are you talking like i chop their arm off in the vial they come out and they have their arm back is that what you're saying yeah exactly oh. Man, that does that's, give me a lot of like. That's pretty good. I, they would get so mad. So this would have to. <laughs> yeah, but what if this? What if this? Right? Because it's in their head, right? So they, they, their arm gets chopped off, right? But for some reason, like they can still use their arm. Like they can grab. It's almost like there's like in, like an invisible limb, that they. A phantom limb. Exactly, but it's there and when they swing their sword and hold their shield it's really just kind of floating in front of them and they don't know how it's happening but it's happening nah, that's kind of bullshit never mind don't <laughs> they don't they don't get to suffer though you gotta, you gotta make them yeah. suffer jesse yeah. well that's the yep. it's it's yep. part of it is oh, about the if... suffering and part of it is about that that moment when they get out and you get to like walk them through the the fact that it was all in their head or even better they find out during the course of the adventure in the vial that it's all in their head and then they're left with that question is like oh is i mean if this is all in our head if is what happened is what's happening to me here like will this stay when i leave or what's the deal and it, it provides that a lot of urgency to deal with some of those problems like if you have one of those magical effects that like randomly ages someone like a couple d10 number of years like if you age up uh you know a human player like 30 years are they gonna go through the you know the side quest of having to try and fix that before they get out because they think it's gonna stay that way or are they just gonna live with that like there are a lot of potential alternatives for how they'll deal with that yes yeah, so if i give them something like uh you know we'll just stick with it the lost limb or i give them a you know something that they could leave uncompleted in the vial and at the end before they get out, they discover that, hey, I'm going to get out. This isn't, you know, real and everything like that. And then have to make decisions on what ramifications for leaving are going to be. Like, maybe they left a question finished. Or maybe, you know, they do have to worry about their age when they come back. Maybe they have to worry about how much time has expired in the real world when they come back. Because the, the players that have left there are trapped in this desert, almost their essence. It's almost like their physical form was the only thing that was dragged in, which is why they have no memories and... You know, they have all this, you know, false made-up memories going along. I like that idea a lot. So I just thought of something. I really like that as, as well. Sorry to change the subject real quick, but I just, I don't know, my mind just kind of snapped to this, and I really like it. So what if there was, like, uh, why ever, however this was happening, right, there's a BBE, right, um, that's, you know, kind of controlling everything, big, bad, evil guy, and... When stuff like that happens where a limb is lost or whatever, or they age, like, really 
long or something like that. This dude kind of comes out of the woodwork and he's a little weird, but he's always helping the party. But really what he's doing is manipulating their minds so that he can kind of control their progression in whatever this is. So like he's like, hey, if you give me this much gold, I can get your limb back for you. And he really just kind of manipulates the vision so that they have their arm back. You know what I mean? Yeah, like a, a real, um, maybe like a false conjuration magic type deal that's going on. Yeah. Right, right. It could be... I don't know, I, I, I was just thinking about it, and it just kind of sounds cool because then this dude, you could have like that twist where this dude that has been like so good to the party in this terrible, terrible place where he's constantly trying, like, in their eyes, like, helping out the party like that, when they really, when it comes down to it and they figure it all out, it's, this is the reason, that dude is the reason why they're suffering all of this in the first place, you know? I don't know. Right. Just throwing that out there. So, (laughs) since this beginning, so I'm trying to picture how many, like, sessions this will run, and but what I'm... I think we have a lot of good, like, beginning stuff. And I think the beginning I'm kind of really feel. But what is the challenge to get out? Is there a big bad evil guy? Is there maybe just a an event they have to trigger? Maybe there's not some, like, big combat to get out of it. Maybe there's something else. And I always feel that I typically end my games or my arcs or whatever I'm doing with some sort of, you know... The fight at the end of it. What if it was something different? I just can't put like my finger on it on what I could use that would be different to get them to be a challenging ending without a combat. What are they fighting against? How do they get out of here? I like something about the the sandstorm being a recurring theme and having to like literally brave the sandstorm, but it can't be just that because there are way too many, you know, brazen players who don't take dangers like that seriously who would just be like a fucking sandstorm, let's just go. Yeah, but if they if they ever like every single time they went through the sandstorm, they had a roll like a D ten to uh I don't I guess it would scale with each race, right? Um to go how many years are you going to advance when you come out of this one i got it hear me out what yeah i'm listening so this desert is clashing because of two genies right Mm -hmm. these two genies hate each other and that's where all of this is taking place even the world inside doesn't have to be there i can put them wherever i want but this is what is taking place where they actually have to get out of the bottle at the end doesn't have to be a big fight. There could be meaningful things or meaningful NPCs that they meet along the way and in order to get out of this vial they have to choose one of the genies to let him out and they both have requirements. So maybe you have to sacrifice something. Maybe, you know, maybe there's two NPCs that the party both fell in love with but the party has to sacrifice and kill one of them and they have to choose which one and that, you know, genie is the one that is gonna let them out because they sacrificed this one the other genie will let you out if you sacrifice the other one it could be something and it doesn't have to be npcs it could be something along those lines where they have to make this crucial decision in order to get out and then that affects them Um, going on i really like that and okay that that kind of like gave me an idea where what if 
Okay, <laughs> this is gonna be weird, so just hear me out on this for a second. Um, what if magic was completely different in this in this vile uh, realm that we're talking about, right? Tell me more. Um, where, where? What if the way that they create their magic and their most powerful magic? These genies, by the way, um, create the most powerful spells to fight each other with is actually growing life and using that life um, through growth in order to cast like very powerful damaging spells kind of like a give and take kind of thing like an incubator oh yeah yes and they just happen wrong place wrong time got sucked up into these into this genie that's like it in this incubator while they're getting stronger and stronger that life force is also getting stronger and stronger so as they progress in levels they're becoming the thing that he wants them to become or she the genie and when it comes down to the end like it's it's they need life force in order to get out so you either you know you have a few choices you can you know kill things and give it to them as like a gesture of like okay i gave you the equivalency of my life force let me out or sacrifice one of the party members which is sketchy and always a shitty move in game to like pin your party members against each other like that but i mean like i guess that's where your brilliant dm mind would come into a way I, I don't it know. Sounds, it's like that. It sounds like what you're talking about sounds like a magic item reward at the end. Let me explain how I kind of got there. Was that if they are using this pocket dimension, this vial, to store life in it, and they've entrapped the, you know, the at least the physical presence of the party within it, once they get out, the sandstorm should end immediately once they get out because the life force is no longer supplying the power to power that sandstorm. And when they're out, that vial becomes now a magic item for them as the reward for completing, you know, the arc. And then carry around that vial, and maybe it, you know, heals them or something like that. I like that. Yes. Now, how, like, how do they get out, though? Like, if that, if that's an incubator, like, that the genie has set up in order to give him, like, get something out of it, why would the genie ever let him out? Well, now, remember, there's, there's two genies, and they both hate each other, and they're right. fighting. So they ah, have to make that beautiful. decision at the end on which genie they're yep. going to side with, but it comes with a price. It comes with a sacrifice. doesn't have to be life, ah. but life would be the easier way. Right, right. Everybody give them, like, a certain amount of life, and they'll go, you know? I think there's a, there's a good, you know, shell of a story there. There's a lot I'm going to work on. I think we should touch back on it later, let you know what I, what I kind of come up with. Yeah, I want to I wanna hear how you develop this. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. It's, it's, I'm not going to lie, it's really fun being on this side of your, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the aisle of your uh, creative process oh well, i mean it's your guys creative process too i mean I, whatever you guys are, are feeding me I'm, I'm feeding off of so it's it's great feedback uh and if you if you ever do do this and it ends up being like um over uh zoom or something like that you should you should let me do like a character one at a time Don't <laughs> you play an npc <laughs> just let me play an npc oh, or, God. i don't know just only just as long dumb. as you don't play peter griffin that's my rule you can't <laughs> play peter griffin 
Why not, man? Uh, well, Peter, uh, the reason why I don't want you in my game is I don't think people uh, will enjoy the audio medium of your voice. As I wish upon a star. Do you know? The, I don't know the words. I was gonna keep going. I should have looked them up before I started. That. Yeah. Next. That probably would have been the smart ne- thing. Next time, do. I'll pull them up on our Zoom Zoom screen sharing, so that way you can oh, just no doubt, yeah. No doubt. We have the technology. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and. 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 <laughs> that was awful. Hold on. No. 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 We can't. We can't look at look at each other to cue each other. I literally looked to my right while we were doing it. I did. My my head physically turned to look to see where Jesse was, and he wasn't there. All right, hold up, hold up, everybody, chill. We're gonna try that one again. All righty. And. 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 Now we're gonna we take questions about Dungeons and Dragons with the internet. Listeners, and we answer them. OTS beast. Oh yeah. I'm gonna have to. Re- I'm gonna have to listen to see how that came across because I have to be a little quieter now that I have uh, other people that are with me. That's fair. <laughs> so I really wanted to go full blast, but you know, we'll see how hey, it sounds. So, sometimes it's just like that. So I found uh, a couple questions on uh, the Facebooks that people are asking around. Um, I hope that with this Tasha's giveaway and our kind of new invigorated uh, uh, sense of recording and, you know, being social and active that um, we can get some of your guys' questions. And if you do want to submit a question to us, you can do so at OutsideTheStatBlock.com. Just shoot us a message, uh, a question that you have, something you may want us to talk about, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get on it and we'll let you know. Uh, so our first question for today is, uh, so my players have fought, or my players are fighting a Banshee who has resistances including bludgeon, piercing, and slashing from non-magical attacks. My fighter was arguing that because they have a plus one greatsword, that qualifies it as a magic weapon and therefore negates the resistance. Can anyone confirm this? I've poured over the books for a while now and found no answers. Um, dear DM... Uh, I'm trying to be nice about this. I know um, you are. I knew you were going to do... Yeah, I know. <laughs> I picked it for this reason. Go ahead. Slander them. I literally don't fucking believe you. It's like the first sentence in all plus one weapon descriptions. Yeah, no shit. It's literally the first fucking sentence. No, that's... What that is, is they didn't want to look it up. That's the, equiv- that's the equivalent of, like, throwing bullshit stuff on Facebook like a bullshit question because you didn't feel like even googling or reading you just wanted the answer to magically appear yeah I love I love the part of the question and oh oh yeah if you're gonna submit a question to us we probably won't slam you like this but this question is just unless so it's so silly because it says that it qualifies as a magic weapon it's magical Here, here's the thing uh, just to like go back on um we uh, honest like bullshit aside we won't ever slam a listener that sends in a question but these are thing these are questions that we find on the internet uh uh, they're just they're they're some of them are interesting (laughs) yeah some of them are some of them are interesting and some of them are the result of people claiming they they've read when i don't believe that they (laughs) even know how to read (laughs) uh um 
so so like I there's a few ways you can go with this, but um, when it comes down to it, the description in the books, like rules is written, as they all say, like it 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 gives you the um, magic effect as far as damage. Like attacking with a plus one weapon is a magical attack. Yeah, exactly. For exactly. the purposes of overcoming I mean, resistance. Yep. It, it, perfect. Yeah, no, that's exactly word for word. Now, if you wanted to, as a DM, give your fighter a better weapon, let's say that, uh, but you didn't want to give him a magic weapon, at, uh, like, yet, then I guess you can say, like, oh, this special smith that works on a special forge, like, makes these special weapons that are super sharp and better than you know better steel than anywhere else in the land and that adds that like plus one to uh attacking and damage without giving it the magic effect but again that's dude that's that's going off on like oh oh, no it's they actually had they actually had that in D&D for a while they were called masterwork weapons yeah my uh my dm that I play with down here, he does that. At early levels, he'll give us plus one weapons that aren't considered magical. They just cost more. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a great... Like, that seems like a great idea, because, I mean, just because something is a, is called a great sword doesn't mean that it's going to be exactly the same as all other great right. swords. So I think it makes sense. And it adds a little bit more flavor, you know. If you find a masterwork great sword, maybe you can add a little flavor to it of being the reason why this is is because the smith that made it or the you know the race that made it and give some flavor to it. So if if you don't want them to have a magical weapon, which does over uh, overcome uh, the bludgeoning, piercing, slashing from non-magical attacks, then you know try to give call it a masterwork weapon, give it some flavor, and give it to them. Make it look cool. Give make them feel good. I mean, it's also like, uh, so getting, I've never actually done this. <laughs> so dipping a weapon in silver also overcomes that, right? If I remember correctly. Certain monsters. Certain monsters. Okay, there we go. Then never mind. I was going to say, and that's super cheap, and you can also do that, like, if you get a plus one weapon, and I don't know. But anyways, yeah. All right. That. So. What else you got? Sure. Uh, <laughs> greetings, newbie DM here. <laughs> looking for some. Well, well, greetings. Well, thanks, guys. I'm looking for some advice in my new campaign. Yeah, no, welcome to Outside the Stat. You're really aggressive. In my new campaign, one of my players wants to play a ranger. Ah, now we're at the ranger question. From what I've gathered, uh, Watsy, Wizards of the Coast, dropped the ball on rangers in 5th edition, and they appeared to be seriously underpowered, at least in the player's handbook version. Question is, should I strongly encourage the planet the player to play a ranger from Unearthed Arcana, which is an online source, or to choose a subclass that uh, has appeared recently instead of the player's handbook ranger? Yes, you should. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Um, also, also like the UA Ranger, like that. That was the testing for the now updated version in uh, Tasha's. So, I mean, the question is obviously asked before Tasha's was released, but I mean, we're, we're planning on doing like a revisit to the Ranger because now that Tasha's is out, like they did a lot of things to fix it, and the Ranger is like honestly one of the coolest like story-wise and role-playing wise one of the coolest characters that is in these games 
and yet they did drop the ball hard. <laughs> but uh, I mean, the the newer like the the updates to it, like it's it's it sounds like it would be a lot of fun. Like you could be what's his name? Uh, uh, I'm gonna drizzed shit for this. No, uh, Air Air Aragorn. Aragorn. Oh man, I was so close. <laughs> That dude's fucking badass, and he is a ranger. Yeah, he's a fighter. You know what he's was, a fighter. He's a ranger. Stop it. You know who else I was thinking of that is, I think, is a ranger? That's in popular um, view right now is uh, Mandalorian. Yes. Yeah. The way that he can track, shoot, uh, like the how he is with all animals. <laughs> he, oh, it's a big scary beast, and then he goes over and like pets it, and he's cool <laughs> with it. Like it's and like his ability to track and just kind of just know the um, landscapes and stuff. Yeah. No. Definitely a ranger. Yeah, and his his little his little pet friend that he's really you know keen on. Um, what was it? Baby R two D two is with him. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, the yellow one, right? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. one that's a, a ball with a little like dome head. Yeah, no, it, it looks so. It's fucking. fucking I thought it was adorable. Yeah, no, I mean it, it is, but it's also dumb. <laughs> Chris isn't talking because he's hurting inside. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> no, but that's uh, it's a prequel, so I mean that's when. Um, if you remember when we were talking about it before, like the um, with the Hulk uh, appearance, like that, it's Baby Hulk. Right. And um, like a lot of them don't really say that, but they heavily infer it. So you know, you know. Yeah, we all know. Uh, so I think if, if you're asking yourself this question, especially uh, if you're a you know relatively new DM and you're not sure if people are asking you to play things that aren't in the player's handbook, and you yourself recognize that something is either underpowered or boring, if you recognize that, your players are going to recognize that, and you should be able to work with them in any sort of way to try to find something that's going to fit their play style, what they're going to want to play long term, a character they would enjoy. If that means using uh, you know unearthed arcana or using you know some other source definitely do it the player's handbook is a guideline you do not have to stick to it absolutely um that's the fun thing with uh being a dm so uh so hit me with another one um yeah we probably got time for one more one more oh god there's two of them uh okay so i'll do the smaller one uh i'm officially in a rut how can i challenge a party of seven level fours in a fight or out I don't know what the out part is. They plowed through 16 bullywogs in three turns after they ganged up on a party member. So the bullywogs, 16 bullywogs against, okay, seven level fours. Yeah, that's not too bad. I think that's... Nah. The number 16 kind of got me. So anytime... Yeah. And I was actually just talking with Steven about this, is that uh, when you are trying to... determined uh, you know to challenge a party member numbers if you have more numbers than the party that means you have more actions than the party per turn even if those actions are weaker than what mm-hmm. the party can do on their turn use yeah. that to your advantage to challenge the party attacking with 16 bullywugs three turns it is seven maybe next time go to 25 you know yeah. have a couple mm-hmm. of them survive and I think the, uh, the the bit you were confused about is they're they're looking for suggestions to challenge them both in and out of combat. Ah, oh, gotcha. So, so uh, the the thing that I would suggest with this is if they're kind of like blowing through combats like that, and you're trying to challenge them in a combat, is um, 
have it prepared that, yeah, there's 16 Bullywugs, but the second that number dips below five, guess who comes running out of the cave like it's 16 more Bullywugs? Like, and now, and now it's not a crazy number of 32. It's a crazy number of, you know, uh, 21. <laughs> a second after already defeating uh, 11 of them, you know? But that's, that's what I would say, because then you can also, uh, on the fly, judge how many, like, how are they doing? Uh, like, do they need to be challenged more? Do you, is that what you want? And is that how the encounter that you have going against them, is that how those creatures would act? Like, are they going to hoard out, <laughs> you know? And always having that second wave is a good way of challenging a party because they will kind of like use up some shit trying to get through it and then all of a sudden get hit with this second wave and go okay we really need to buckle down and make sure we're doing everything right you know that's my suggestion i don't know no yeah uh, so once they think the combat is over continuing the combat with you know a surprise additional creatures is definitely a way to do it also play with your levels play with heights Make sure these things, if you have 16 bullywogs in a 20 foot square area, well, a fireball takes care of that. So, yeah, so, no you know, shit. play with your levels. Make, if you know, use your environment as, as well. You know, if there are, if there's this overhanging rock cliff, put, you know, six of them up there with bows that someone has to take care of. That makes, makes the party have to separate, which also separates their actions. Going through six versus, uh, you know, two of the level sevens is a lot more challenging for those two, while the five, it's more challenging going against the rest of the ten because they don't have their party members doing it. So splitting up that fight, changing your levels, and using your environment is a great way to, you know, challenge uh, a party if you're if you're not yet keen on what number or what type of creature to throw at them. Yeah. Chris, you got anything on that? I agree. Um, I think, uh, in my opinion, a lot of challenging a party, uh, kind of like you were saying, using the environment, it comes out a lot to tactics. It's about, like, using your monsters to the best of their ability and uh, not just, like, uh, like grouping them up together and bull rushing one member and just rolling attack dice. Like there's more, there's more strategy to be used in that. I mean, obviously it depends on the creature, but you know, if you have creatures that are intelligent enough to, to make plans, to make tactics or to set traps, you just start doing stuff like that. Like if, uh, I know four level four is a bit high for this, but like a large group of like goblins or kobolds, uh, might engage a party of adventurers. And instead of taking them head on, would try and lead them through an area of traps that they've like pre-prepared right to try and weaken them before they engage them stuff like that it's not all about just like bull rushing the the weakest looking one and just punching the shit out of them (laughs) maybe you have a an impossible um like perception check maybe one of these bullywogs or one of those goblins that you were talking about they just didn't notice uh, the rest of them are hidden down under you know in their hovel or wherever they're at waiting to lead these guys down and they steal an item from the party and they kind of show it to them and try to get them down instead of don't like just sit there and pepper them with shots because the party will just walk away after realizing that it's a trap but if you take something that they need from them and run back in this little hovel they have to go down there and get it and that's where you can you know trap them if, if you yeah. want to gang up on them that's a great that's a good idea yeah yeah no that is speaking of good ideas right before we kind of uh um conclude this question i had given 
a, I was given a good idea recently by this individual that I had um, gotten contact with that is also a, a DM and he runs virtually. And uh, it is a new variant rule that I'm incorporating. I wanted to share with you guys because I think Steven's going to use it too. I gave it to him. And that okay. is on death saving throws. So there have been many takes on trying to change death saving throws because they're kind of, it's really hard to die in 5th edition. Right. Yep. So with that, what I think is really great about this new rule is they take the death saving throws out of the player's hands and the DM rolls the death saving throws and does not tell the results to the party. That way they don't know if they can, hey, it's this round, this party member has just had his second death saving throw. Do I need to go over and heal him right now? Did he have two successes? Did he have two failures? Is he dead now? I don't know. So they have to make that decision on the fly without seeing if the player got a success or a failure. I like that. I really like that a lot, actually, because I agree. It's There's too much manipulation of that and using the knowledge of like knowing what other players like death saves are yeah and it's hard i mean it, i don't think anyone intentionally tries to to meta the death saving throws but it right Absolutely. it just i mean it happens you're gonna know if you roll open table especially like we did we always rolled open table everyone knows and you guys did a great job of not playing you know meta but that is still real hard to determine your actions in combat to be like okay well uh, you know, my character would probably still attack if someone had fallen down. But now that the pirate party doesn't know, you're going to have to make that extra decision on, man, do I need to check with them or not? And the player doesn't know if they die. So that's really... Yeah. Don't be the dick and fudge the death saving throw DM, though. Don't do yeah, that. Yeah, don't be, don't, don't be that guy. Uh, I mean, I'm, uh, in our game, I'll be playing a cleric, so... I mean, we'll be good. Well, well. As long as my cleric stays alive. (laughs) He won't. Not with Steven around. Well, if you have made it this far, thank you again for listening. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at OTSBlock, Facebook Outside the Stat Block. Visit our website, OutsideTheStatBlock.com, where you can find the contest entered to win the uh, copy of Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. It is not the alt art. I kept that for myself. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you uh, hopefully will soon see uh, uh, one-third shirts OT- o- OTSP. <laughs> no shit. I have been Ben. I've been Chris. And I have been Jesse. Now go play pretend with your friends. Subscribe! <laughs> <laughs> God, it's even worse. <laughs> yeah, that one hurt a little. Oh, but I-